0: From Relay FM. This is the Pen Addict episode 280. 280! That's a darts joke, Brad. Uh, this episode <laughs> is brought to you by Pen Chalet. My name is Mike Hurley. I am joined by Brad Downey.
1: So, what other dart terminology can you school me on? Because I know that's the uh, that's the that's the game of the country, right? I mean, yeah, you you go, you grab a pint, and it's you like a, throw. It's like needles. a whole thing.
0: It's like a whole real big thing. Like it is a competitive sport played by mostly overweight people who are drinking whilst they're playing. In, well, I'll uh, fit right in, <laughs> yeah, in arenas that are full of people singing and getting drunk. Like professional darts in England and in the UK is a real. Like just very very different thing. Like very very. Oh, I've different. watched it
1: on, I've watched it on TV. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie to you. I've I've watched it on TV. It's hilarious. Yeah.
0: It's is it is unlike any other professional sport. It is very 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 interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Two hundred and eighty. That is. Uh, what is that? It's triple twenty. I don't know what that is. When you get three triple twenties, something like that. Who knows? Who knows what well, it means? Not me.
1: It's got to be this. The sixty. The. The triple twenty sixty sixty sixty. What's that? That's one eighty. Did you do? Did you screw up this whole thing?
0: Yeah. Me? Do you know what? I think it's one hundred and eighty. <laughs> wow. Well, That's welcome right. to Mike's sports corner, <laughs> where he get where he makes a reference and gets it horrifically wrong. Can we just? Can we just either a start over or b
1: just get going? Let's get going because I don't want to start over because that was too good. So where should we start? Should we start by talking about last week? Uh, yes, we should definitely talk about last week because it already seems like any event that we do seems like it's already months have passed and well, it was only like a week ago. Well, this week one's slightly different, right?
0: Because it wasn't a week ago for us. Like in, in Brad and Mike time, it was a week and right. a half ago, as you said, right? So it's been a yeah. long time since we recorded uh, the Field Notes episode, um, which went... I mean, you know, uh, we had... I think safe to say we had high expectations because we thought it was going to be a great episode, um, but it exceeded my expectations. It was w- just a wonderful episode. Uh, I realized in the edit, or at least Stephen did, because Stephen edited the show. Thank you, Stephen. Thank Stephen, you, Stephen also edited the video. The fastest video turnaround we've ever had. Um, as Stephen yeah. said to me, when you don't have tens of hours of b roll footage, it's pretty easy to yeah. put these things together. Um, yeah, this was a one camera event. Mm-hmm. Well, there was also a GoPro, right, which yeah. was the, the, the emergency camera. Um, but it was easy for him to do it, and he put it out. So if you are a Kickstarter backer, you should have gotten an email with a link uh, to go and watch the video, right? Everybody should have gotten that if you if you were a yes. Kickstarter backer. Um, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, it was it was just, just a really, really fantastic event. But Stephen noted to me that uh, you barely spoke in the episode, which I didn't realize at the time, so I apologize for mm-hmm. that.
1: No, no. I noticed it at the end. I was like, mm, I don't think I talk very much. But then when I re-listened to it, I re-listened to it a couple of times because I really enjoy hearing Jim and Brian talk. That's what you do. You, know, you don't need to. You need to let the guests talk. And you drove the conversation. I actually got an email saying, boy, Mike did a good job on that show. You didn't talk very much, but that's okay because it came out awesome.
0: I gotta say, I I slipped into my old interviewing mode, and oh man, I loved it. I just loved it. I haven't I haven't done an interview like that in a while. You know, with like all the questions and like it flows, and you move moving stuff around, cutting things out, like pressing people on questions. I had such a blast with it. Like I haven't done that in feels like years. Um, so it was it was really
1: great. Well, you it was a natural you're in your natural habitat, right? I think I, mean, I was just... really. Like that that's that's what I started doing, right? Like that's
0: that's kind of my if you were to call it such, my roots, right? Like in in podcasting yeah. came from interviewing people. Um so it it was fun to really really pull that out, pull that
1: back again. Did you notice the amount of feedback we got on this show? Like we haven't talked specifically about since. Yeah, like we we knew it was good. We listened to it, we loved it. We're of course going to love it ourselves but you know you you never know until you get it out in the hands of the listeners i got so much feedback on this episode saying it's the best episode great job mm-hmm. like i've never i don't think we've ever done an episode where i've gotten more comments like feedback. that yeah yeah I mean, yeah it's because type it's, of it, comment. there is a
0: reason that we wanted to do this there's a reason why you know both me and you have called this a highlight of the show's history because it mm-hmm. fits so perfectly for us, you know, like, yeah. to do an episode with the Field Notes guys, which you've done before, but to do it there, you know, like, it adds a whole thing to it, you know, it's their 10th anniversary, you know, we both worked really hard on putting the questions together, like, I, I, am, I am not surprised that so many people love this episode, um... Mm. And as Tony said, you know, you didn't talk equals positive feedback, mm, which is kind of funny. Right, Tony, Tony. Tony's doing his best in the chat room to. He's moved on to trolling you now, which is which is an interesting thing.
1: Uh, well, but yeah, I'm, I'm just lucky we didn't actually end the show, right? I mean, we should have not shown up today and really trolled the people. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm glad to not talk if that's what the feedback is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear.
0: But, yeah, we got great, great feedback. Like, people were really, really nice, and, and we really, really appreciate it.
1: Yep. And just listening, when you go back and listen or watch the video, just listening to Jim and Brian talk, I I want Jim to tell me bedtime stories. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. They, the guy can spin a story in his voice, and his demeanor. Uh, yeah, I want Jim to, to read me, uh, to tuck me in and read me a bedtime story. So, thank you, Jim. <laughs> Wow. Wow. <laughs> no, it was awesome. It was a great event. Um, they did announce something on yep. the show We're where they're adding. A- um, a, it, it was because they don't do that very often. And it was really neat to to have them do it. And it was totally on Jim. And Jim sprung that on us right before the show that they're going to launch. He didn't tell us before he announced it live. But they're going to add in a, I don't know what you would call this. This an additional two pack ten year anniversary pack, but it's going to hark back to the beginning of the company. We haven't seen any pictures, but you know, just we haven't we don't know anything other than what they said on the show. But uh, they're pretty excited about it, so we're pretty excited about it.
0: Yeah, yeah i I've been trying to rack my brain, like, and I can't. I can't work out what it is. You know what I mean? Like, like what, what are they doing? What are they up to? Like, I haven't been able to work it mm-hmm. out yet. You know, like, I I have my ideas. I'm wondering if it's going to be different formats, but, like, the design, it's going to be really great. I'm very, very excited about it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, again, we've said it a bunch, and it can't be said enough. Thank you to all of our Kickstarter backers who helped make this possible. Um, Your support oh, yeah. means a lot to us, and it allows us to do fun things like this and share them with you and we're glad you're along for the ride
0: yeah like thank you for doing it like for for helping us do this like it i cannot put into words like how much fun it has been this year to do these three events um atlanta dc and then chicago and i only could have been able to be a part of all of this stuff because of the support that our audience and gives us, um, and you all just knocked it out of the park this year. Like I was looking, I was looking through the Kickstarter thing and just to see how much money we raised. Like I can't even believe it. Like I'd forgotten the mm-hmm. exact number. Like close to thirty thousand dollars. Like it just, a, yeah, just wonderful. Like just so wonderful. And you, you've helped us produce some stuff that we're really proud of. And we really, really hope that the rewards are worth it for you. Um, when it, I guess now like focusing on next year um mm-hmm. we have m- me and brad have ideas we have big plans but that won't be next year um right. I'm getting married next year and because of that I have minimal time for travel um too much going on i i have I have too much going on so I, we have big plans, um, and I'm hoping that in twenty nineteen we'll be able to put at least one of those into effect. Um mm-hmm. but for twenty eighteen, like we know Atlanta, um, and I'm hoping we can do at least one more show somewhere. Um but we're gonna talk yeah. about that as the rest of the year goes on. But like definitely, definitely Atlanta we'll do we'll do it upright as we always do um at, at our atlanta show and, and we'll try and we'll try and do more than just the one show right because i, I feel like mm-hmm. that, that that is probably the thing to do now now that we've done three we should probably at least try and do two next year um sure. but we're we have big plans for some stuff that we want to do in the future um but that's gonna have to wait a little bit longer because i mean this show's never ending anyway so uh we're all good
1: Sure. yeah but no, you're totally right, and I've started to have people ask me for Atlanta dates. I will know them. I'm meeting with the dolavs in November sometime, and I'll, I'll get the dates then for the show. So, we'll have news on that, because I know a lot of y'all like to book your travel early for that, yep. and uh, we like to mark it off our calendar, because that's the one thing that's a stone cold lock on, on our calendars. So, Atlanta's happening. Um, what else? The Kickstarter will entail, we are not sure. No, but we, we don't know yet. Yeah. Well, we have, we have a lot less time to plan it this year than last year.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, let's be honest. We we always plan it last minute. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, in Refill um, this week, you, you showed off your, uh, like, a little field diary that you, you've been taking, you and the kids had actually been doing during the trip, which was really yeah. fun.
1: Yeah. I always wanted to do something like that. Like that's that idea that's always in my head, but never acted on. And I never really have the opportunity when I travel to pin shows because it's work pretty much 24 seven from the time I land to the time I take off again. And there's not too much outside of the pen show stuff. So that works great for like the photo diary stuff. This time I had time with the family since the kids were out of school that week. You know, I took them to Chicago and we had a few days to see the site, see the city. So I wanted to capture that in a notebook so i of course took a little field notes drink local it was the uh i think that one's called the pale lager i don't have it right in front of me but i believe that that's was the, a popular one the at the
0: uh at the field note shop so like we mentioned we had like um there was a like a meetup uh, open house afterwards we were kind of walking around looking at stuff and i didn't realize that like they they sell some rare editions in the store like if they mm-hmm. have some they, they sell them and like they had both the drink locals in there and there was a mm. bunch of really interesting additions floating around nothing mega rare like
1: they, they had have, fire spotter traveling salesman i think drink fire spot those, those were probably the, the rarest
0: right like that's mm-hmm. i reckon that's maybe as far back as they go i was mm-hmm. very surprised to actually see that they had them in there um yeah but yeah i actually i actually asked jim like how do you price these like how do you work out the prices and he was just like you know we see what they go for online and we try and give them a fair price like, yeah, we, you know, we don't, we're not looking to make a ton of money, but we don't want to sell it for a price that somebody could then just go and flip it, which right, I thought was right, like a really exactly. good way of explaining how they do that. But yeah, they do have some rare ones there. But anyway, so you're using a drink local for your, for your diary.
1: Yep. I thought that was a good, a good trip notebook and I tried to document as much as I can of our trip. And then when I got done, I ended up, scan I scanned it all in and created one big PDF file of just my notes on the trip, you know, like I'd recap a day, you know, it wasn't all a lot of it was captured a day, day after, because I don't always have time that day to write down the things I'm actually doing live Mm -hmm. at the time. Then I threw in a little sketches, threw in a few receipts or tickets from the places we went. So now I have this little book that's just going to sit there and it's just going to be like a memory book of Chicago. So if we ever like break out, you know, start looking at the pictures, we can go get this book and read these stories about these things we did. So I was really... That turned out as about as good as I could have expected, I think, for me, at least the way I capture things, right? It's very straightforward. You know, there's not, it's kind of no frills, but that's how I do things. So it worked out well for me. So yeah, I, I would like to do more. I like to do more of that. It's just having that opportunity to like, commit to doing it that's always the challenge so
0: what were you doing like sitting down in the evening in the hotel room yep. and writing it down
1: yep almost mm-hmm. always or the next morning like before while everyone's getting ready getting up um and then a few times i was able to do it like at, after we did something if we were waiting around for a ride or something like that but most of the time i just tried to do it in our down times in the hotel room because i was too busy having fun when we were you know out and about eating or visiting or walking.
0: I mean, so like doing it for a few days, could you not see something like this being like a regular practice? You know, this is what people do. It's just journaling, right? Like this is
1: it. Absolutely. And I I definitely thought about it for next year and trying to use the Hobonichi Cousin, which is a big notebook, trying to get the the hardest thing about journaling or task list or to-do list is showing up every day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not... What goes in it, it's the actual commitment to show up every day and put something down. So this was a good experiment to see how that goes. And it was okay if I didn't get it all done on the same day that the event took place. You know, if I could do it the next day, that was fine. Once you start to get into like two or three days, then you start to get into a really bad habit of playing catch up. You know, I don't, I I wouldn't recommend that, but like next day was totally fine. That worked out well. So, uh, I, yes, it was definitely, I had, uh, ulterior motives. It was definitely something to think about while I was doing it. So we had another thing at that show, Mike, Mm -hmm. did you, I'm, uh, making a new Panatic retro 51. Yep. And I have to say, it's not what you, would expect. no? Nope. Do you think that's a fair uh, fair yeah, description? Yeah, it's not orange. It is not orange. It has no orange on it. But uh, Michael Jacobs, who you met at the show and who has an STBA TBA coming up later, did a design. Uh, he called it the isometric bomb pop. And I love the design. And I said, I think this will make a perfect retro 51. Let's collaborate and do a pen addict. Do one, you know, like I did for the pen addict last year. So, we had the sample in time to bring it to the Field Notes event, and uh, I think it went over very well. What do you think about the pen? Not that you're going to tell me it's terrible, but what
0: are your thoughts? I love it. I think it's beautiful. Um, I'm going to put a a link in the show notes to the t-shirt design, which is where I'm expecting you saw this from. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. So, you can kind of get an idea for what the graphic's going to look like. But well, I think mm-hmm. it's fantastic. Like I, I can't wait to get myself one of these. Like it's, it's really, really cool looking. You've chosen a good option, right? Because it's like this is just a cool design that you like, as mm-hmm. opposed to mm-hmm. this is a pen addict thing, right? Because there's only, there's only so many ways you can go with that, right? Like where do you right. end up going with it, right? Like there, there isn't that f- that far. You can't go that far. Right, like mm-hmm. you just keep doing different pen related things, it makes more fun for you to just find things that you like and, and use those as as jumping off points to create a core design.
1: Well, like we learned at the Field Notes event, they focus they look at each edition and say, Is this field notesy enough? And I look at the retro fifty one pens and think the same thing. Like this is a perfect retro fifty one style to where if I keep doing something like strictly pen addict related i kind of get off track there like i wanted the feel of this and you
0: limit yourself as well Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. so i wanted to do this we'll see how it goes and um i'm really excited about it so i'll have more news on that next month i think it's about four weeks away from launching so we'll see we'll see another thing that launched on the blog this week. I got up the first article from yeah, the Japanese stationery web magazine, and this is... I asked for this review first because I was fascinated when I read it from their site originally, and I know I shared it. It was months and months ago when it first came up, but I said, this is the one I want to go with first because I think it's interesting, and it's called the Tagged Memo Pad. It's, um... What caught my eye was the shape and design of it. And then I read about it. (laughs) And I was like, okay, maybe this is not like the perfect notebook for me. But it's interesting enough, it falls in that Field Notes Expedition right in the rain category to where it's the waterproof paper. But this one is different in that it's actually washer proof. As in, they took the paper that the dry cleaners make their tags out of when you drop off your clothes at the cleaners, right? And then those tags are attached to your clothes. They go through whatever washing process that they go through and finishing process and then come out on the other end. So (laughs) this is like, it's not the plastic paper, like the UPO paper that's uh in an expedition but it does have those same features to where if you use a water-based ink you're going to have a bad time it's just going to smear and smudge and come off of there so you're going to use pencils and ballpoints but i like the style i like the format the curved edges so you can hold it you know this is meant to be used you know outdoors in the field this is not a desk pad right this is a portable pad and you know the paper's perforated it looks interesting i want to get my hands on some of these because they make some when i've looked through their product pages they make some larger ones with grommet holes through them which i think is a really neat style like it's totally not functional like i would never use it other than i think it looks cool so they even have it on branded on the front covers it says from cleaning tags this is a really interesting type of notebook that hopefully one of these days I can get my hands on. And now that I I know people that uh, can get these, maybe I can I can come up with that. I thought this
0: was such a good start for this part the content partnership because this mm-hmm. is weird and wonderful Japanese stationery. Right? Like it is exactly. just I've never seen anything like this before. And it just made it so perfect. And I love the way that the story started, right? Like it was this cute little intro. The pictures are great. Mm-hmm. Like this is exactly the type of stuff that I personally want to see from from the partnership because it's exactly stuff that we just wouldn't get access to otherwise. Like that just wouldn't come by, um, because we're not in Japan, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think this
1: is awesome. Yeah, so this is very cool. I, I, like you said, I'm really happy with this partnership, and I hope you know we it continues on. I, I mean, no reason why it wouldn't, but it's just a little added bit of coolness that i want to see on the blog because i mean this is the stuff i want to read about and stuff i want to use and stuff i want to learn about so you know i uh i, I i'm i'm glad this is uh underway so it's it's been a while in the works and the feedback has been really great so um keep it coming and let us know if uh There's anything else you want to see in particular? I've already got like three other articles to choose from. I'm going to start sorting them out and we'll do like one a month or so. I think it's kind of going to be the pace. It's not going to be, you know, every week or anything like that. So,
0: yeah, I imagine these are, it's it's a relatively large production. We're getting the translation done right and stuff like that. Yep. Just take some time. Yeah. Just take some time. Sure. So, all right. Should we take a break? we should. Today's show is brought to you by PenchLA. They sell authentic, amazing rollerballs, fountain pens, ballpoints, mechanical pencils, and so much more from your favorite brands. You can find all of the companies that you love to buy stuff from PenchLA because they try to bring them all in and they're an authorized dealer of all of it. They have fast and reliable customer service. PenchLA are always doing discounts and specials. You can go there every couple of weeks and you'll find great stuff at just great, great prices. They have free shipping on orders of over $50 in the United States and they sell internationally as well with very reasonable shipping rates. You should know now that Penchale has low high low prices on high quality pens with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Every time you want to buy something new, go to Penchale first and see if they have it because you go to penchale.com, click the podcast link at the top of the website, enter the password penaddict, and at any time you can get a code that you need to save 10% on anything at Penchale. You just go to penchale.com, p e n c h a l e t.com, use the podcast link and type in the password penaddict and you'll get 10% off anything that you buy. We have a special offer, as always, at the great folk over at Pen Chalet have put together a really fun special offer in celebration of Inktober, so it's going on right now. People are creating amazing drawings and, and beautiful artwork and stuff like that for, for the month of October as part of the hashtag Inktober. My Instagram is full of that right now. Will Pen Chalet have a selection of great inks on special offer uh, for Pen Addict listeners? What do you think of this, Brad?
1: It's really cool. When I saw the first ink, I was like, okay, that's interesting. And then I started scrolling down and it didn't stop. <laughs> there yeah, there's was lots. I don't yeah, know. There's lots. There's yeah, there's lots. Yeah, there's a great Lots great of selection. different ink choices. The standouts to me from my personal experience and use the Platinum Classic. It's an iron gall ink. So please be careful. Um, he has lavender black available as one of the sale items. Not all colors from all brands are available. So it's just a selection. But lavender black is one of the Platinum Classics. The um, Edelstein Ruby Red is a great one. And then the Piece de Resistance. There's four, yeah, four colors of Kobe Sailor Ink at a crazy good price. So, like, crazy good. So, yeah, definitely go check these out. Ron, as always, does something neat and unique for the Pen Addict and Pen Addict listeners, and we really appreciate it. Oh, and I just noticed on Diamine, he has Imperial Purple, which is a great color there, too. So, yeah, lots of good ink colors on sale. Definitely take a look and see if there's something that fits your needs, and support Ron and help support the Pen Addict. So, Penchalet.com, P-E-N-C-H-A-L-E-T.com. Thanks so much to Penchalet for the continued support of this show and FM. So you think Ron's going to get these next pins? I have no idea. <laughs> I doubt many people are getting these next pins. But um, yeah, so I got tweeted these the other day um, from Fonta Plumo, which is a great supporter of the pen Addict as well, the blog. he um, uh, Frank has the new Dash Justice League pens did you get a chance to check these out
0: yeah i sure did there's a whole
1: selection of stuff so there are some ball points
0: which are they're like eight or nine dollars and they just have characters printed on them so they i think they have all five they have like five different ones for each of the justice league mm-hmm. characters but the big the big thing to talk about is the fountain pens so they have three fountain pens um they are all priced individually at uh 1300 euro uh, mm, that's it that 's it individually so you, or you could you could pick up the set for four thousand nine hundred and fifty um, they are interesting there's there's three different pens there 's a batman a superman, and a Wonder Woman uh the design of them is very cool um they they very nicely uh imitate the suits that each of these heroes wear mm-hmm. um with colors and textures as well that kind of match the the DC, Warner Brothers, Justice League aesthetic that they've got. Mm-hmm. Um I think they chose the best three characters, obviously, for the job. Uh but this price is Woo crazy. It's poop crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh poop I crazy. don't I don't know why anybody in their right mind <laughs> would spend five grand on three Karen Dash fountain pens. Um mm. but you know, such is life, I guess. Uh they're made from good materials. Um, eighteen karat gold, pink gold nibs, and
1: mm-hmm. all sorts. But uh, yeah, not for me. <laughs> this makes Cross Star Wars pen look like Bix in comparison. The, like, price I guess wise. the
0: difference for me though is these look like good expensive pens, where the Cross pens did not to me.
1: They looked yeah, bad. but not like two thousand dollars. Oh, I know, pens. I know, I know.
0: But like, they they at least look better. I think they're doing a better job with the with the opportunity to take this brand than mm-hmm. Cross did. I mean, I yes. still haven't got those Schaefer pens. I mean, that's the one, right? Like that's yeah, the great yeah. one.
1: Yeah. But these I would, I was just taken aback at the design of these. You know, price, you know, forget the price. I mean, I'm not buying these. No one in their right mind's buying these. No. But the designs are awesome. Like Superman might be one of my least favorite comic book characters in the Mm -hmm. history of comic books. Mm -hmm. That is a fine looking pen. Yep. Um, They look great. I love the Wonder Woman one. I Um, I love the Wonder Woman one. The Batman's actually my least favorite because if I'm going to spend that much money, I don't want all black. Like that's, that's a great $250 all black pen, right? It's not a great 1650 euro all black pen. Like I want the flash of Wonder Woman or Superman if I'm spending that much on that pen. But <laughs> I love these designs. I really, really love these. But man, that price is ridiculous. I'm definitely more in the uh, the the $10 ballpoint <laughs> range with these. But uh, yeah, it it's... It, I, re- I enjoyed seeing these I, I i i like the good designs you know just like i like when mont blanc comes out with their special editions they're always so good looking they're really good looking and i'll never own one because i just can't justify that price yeah but um boy i i love looking at them and i love looking at these so super super cool so we'll see maybe one of the, maybe we'll get to see one of these on person in person one day That'd that that nice. would be good but
0: I don't know if the person that would show it to us would be very happy about what we said about people that buy this pen. So uh, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> there was a there was a post on the PenAid blog today from fine contributor Jeff Abbott, uh, which was a the review best. of the Caran Dash Eight Forty Nine fountain pen. Um, I just wanted to mention this pen because Jeff spoke very highly of it. And there is one in this household which is spoken very highly of. So I remember, if you remember, I bought one for Edina for uh, when we were in Atlanta. No, DC. DC? Mm, DC. DC. And I really liked it. She really likes it. It's a really fantastic fountain pen with an extremely beautiful, unique look. Um, I really, really like it a lot. Very smooth. Um, It does a great job.
1: Yeah, see, and I don't love the section on this pen. And Jeff, you know, a lot of times here's some some behind the scenes uh, blogging talk. So I get a lot of products from vendors. We got this one from Gold Spot, And then I, you know, distribute the goods for review amongst the writers, uh, Sarah, Susan and Jeff and myself. And we kind of split them up. And sometimes the pins are given to me to keep. Sometimes they're on loan. So this one was on loan from Goldspot, meaning, you know, we can take it, use it, review it. Then we send it back. Jeff said when he submitted this review, he said, how much do I owe you? Because <laughs> he just wants to keep it. Yep. So that's how much he enjoyed this pen. Um, me, on the other hand, I don't care for this pen. Like, and Jeff mentions it the same um, feeling that I have in this review. It's similar to the Retro 51 fountain pen. I don't like that pen. The grip sections aren't good enough for me for the style of the pen as they relate. But I love the style and design of the pens. So if the section works for you, then it's probably something to look at and something that's a good choice you know, for you. But uh, Jeff absolutely loved it and has decided to keep it. <laughs> as he should, because it's great.
0: It, it's so yeah, beautiful it's, it's so unique and and did you get the pink one for Adina? Did uh it pink? was luminous yellow luminous yellow yeah wow, nice that was the one she chose i i picked up a bunch as i picked up like um i took a picture of like the green one the pink one ah. and the yellow one she's like i want the yellow one so gotcha that was what we went with
1: gotcha so i found something i guess it's been two weeks now that I haven't had much time to spend with, and I keep meaning to circle back, and I wanted to make sure it was on your radar, too, because I thought you might like it. It's called Fold Mag, or just Fold, and it's by our good friends at Moleskine. <laughs> <laughs> I am impressed with what they're doing outside of the paper in their notebooks, Mike. <laughs> everything else, they seem to be doing pretty good. Well, I, I take that back. I don't like their carry goods. I think their carry goods are very, very weak. But they're... Brand building and presence, trying to spread the word of the brand. I think it's cool. I like this kind of stuff. So they have this online digital magazine called Fold. Did you get a chance to look around at this at all? I this was one that
0: missed me. Um, I, you put this in the document. Yeah, later. just put it in this morning. Yeah.
1: So they go through. It's kind of a travel and lifestyle thing. Okay, mm-hmm. that's so. It's not everyone's cup of tea, but they also have some pertinent articles about drawing. You know, some how to. On drawing, they have an article on the daily grind of a distracted freelance writer. So they have—they're obviously integrating the materials that they sell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then they also have like the art and design and travel stuff. Like I'm into all this type of stuff, so it's cool to see Moleskin do this. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make me want to go out and buy a Moleskin, but it makes me want to consume their content. I don't know, like. we've we've talked in the past about their apps that they've designed. They do a great job. Like they're doing a really good job with digital right now. And I think that only serves to boost up the analog parts of the brand. Now that's where all the arguments lie for me. Right. And a lot of people, but I'm impressed. I know they went through an ownership change in the past year or two, I think. And, um, I'm interested, Mike. I'm not interested in, in in buying a notebook yet, but I'm interested in following what they're doing, and uh, I think it's going interesting places. They're certainly putting forth the effort. Like I remember, I think it was I don't know a month or two ago. They even had a like a six month job posting thing that they were looking for, not quite an internship, but kind of like a. Uh, Almost like an investment, like a uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the word, but basically like a uh, they wanted to get some app developers in to help merge some of their analog and digital tools, so, an incubator. So they were going to uh-huh. they were going to they were going to offer up like six groups or three groups a six month period of time and pay for them to come and work and see what they can create. They're doing some interesting stuff, it's like so, a something to keep type dealio. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I don't know, you know. Interesting, I guess is where I'm at with it. Um so now if they can man, if they if they turn the corner on their paper it it could be a thing. I could I could see this being a thing. It's already well, obviously the hugest thing in the world on a the stationary the front, right? Machine. How much bigger do they need to be get? Yeah,
0: there is there is no need, right? There's no need. They don't need right. you.
1: You I mean this is the thing they oh, might hell no. they might
0: change something, you never know, but like they don't need it because they need to break into this market. They have the whole market sewn up, right? Like they're good, yeah. you know.
1: Yes, stationary is definitely not their focus, and they're a stationary company, mm-hmm. right? I, I think that's a fair, fair statement. So they, uh, I'm impressed. I don't know what else to say. Another thing I'm impressed with, Mike. So this is another article that we, we since we haven't talked in a couple of weeks, a lot of things kind of happened in the in the background, and one is this article from. Joshua at the Pelicans perch about Pelicans shifting price strategy for the U S market in the past, whenever I've reviewed a Pelican pen, I've always had to have that caveat. Yeah. It's, it's expensive, (laughs) right? Relative to X, Y, and Z pens. It's expensive. It's worth the price. When you get it, you find a perfect writing instrument but it's expensive on top of that in the U S market, you could go overseas to the, let's call it the worldwide market outside of the U S and get a better price than you could from your local retailer or your regional online retailer. Mm -hmm. So it was always confusing when I talk about Pelican Pens about recommending them. I always recommend them, but I always say, Hmm, There's a caveat every time. Yeah. Out of the, I guess I own maybe like five, four or five gold nib, like really good Pelican pens. Only one of them did I ever pay full price on. And that was my very first one, which I got at a pen show. And I got a little bit off of like what the normal, uh, not full MSRP, but like the street price, you know, the MSRP minus 20%, which everyone would sell at, kind of thing. That's the only time I ever paid full price for a Pelican because they're so widely available. The secondary market for them is huge, even for like the brand new ones. Like I have an M800. I've bought two M800s, which is not the biggest one. The M- the 1000 is. But I've bought two limited edition or rare ones, not not main product line ones, for like $400 each. Which their MSRP is probably like 8 something like that. And these were... New or slightly used, and mm-hmm. it just never made sense in the U.S. market to buy a Pelican at full price. Well, I think they've come to realize it, like Aurora did a couple years ago, where they have a pricing. Their price in Europe was well received, but in the U.S. market, it wasn't, and they lowered their U.S. market price, and you know they started doing very well. And I don't know if Pelicans gain anything from that. Or, what the exact reasoning of their plans are, and we'll we'll get into that in just a minute. but it's good to see that I think they're seeing the global marketplace as one entity, if you will, yeah, as right. it should be it's,
0: in today's world,
1: right, right, And I know like there's all kinds of things to consider. As far as like pricing consistency around the world, but and it's very hard to get that exact because yep, yep. there's all kinds of different currency you have to fluctuations
0: deal with. and all that kind yeah. of stuff.
1: But may, at least in the ballpark, yeah, to where you can say, "Here's why." You know, where before, if the pin was six hundred dollars on the European market and eight hundred dollars in the U.S. market, and you couldn't go, "Here's why," you know, I. You're going to lose that sale in the US market, most likely. So, this is good to see, I, I think. And Dr. Deans at Penn Economics followed up with his own post from the economic standpoint. And he has several very good points. And this is my favorite one. And this is one I say all the time, which is the they know better than we do aspect, mm-hmm. right? So he says it in this manner. He says, my preference is always to start my analysis with the assumption that people have all the relevant information and that they make rational, rational, sensible decisions. If a decision doesn't make sense, this assumption forces me to think hard about what the decision maker knows, but I don't. That assumption helps me to see things I otherwise miss and it prevents me from passing off easy answers as though they're true. So yeah, like they know more than we do, right? (laughs) We can sit here... And come up with all the reasons why. And yeah, we might hit on those reasons. But we really don't know for sure unless we work for the company. Yeah. But I appreciate the fact that they see a change and are acting on it. So that's my main takeaway from this is not necessarily the price. But hey, get with the times. My customers can shop anywhere in the world that they choose to. Let's just make them buy. It, we don't care where they necessarily buy it from. Let's just make them buy a Pelican, right? And I think that's the decision they made. And, it, and it, of course, it benefits us as a consumer in the end. And hopefully, it benefits them by greater sales, right? And they don't need the additional margin to make those sales, make that money up. You know, the more sales will, you know, hopefully boost up everything. So, I, I like where this is headed.
0: Oh, for sure. Like, it's good to see, like, sensible Business like this, Mm -hmm. right? Like this is a good thing to see. You want to see that they're understanding the market that they're working in. They understand the world that they're in today, right? Like Mm -hmm. you can find out the price in other places. You can order from other countries, right? And you know Mm -hmm. it makes sense to maybe try and level that out a bit, especially when it did so well for uh, Aurora, right? right? They got a lot of a lot of good press, probably quite a lot of sales from it. I think this makes a lot of sense. Pelicans are great pens, and. That's just so great, like, and I've always wanted more, but I've always found the mm-hmm. price to be funny because you know I tend to buy pens of this price at pen shows typically, mm-hmm. um, and the price has always turned me off a little bit considering how close they are to a tier which is much higher. You know, like mm-hmm. once you start getting into the expensive pelicans. Well, there are many, many more handmade, custom, beautiful things made out of a rushi that I can get my hands on here. Mm-hmm. Right when we're starting to get into this price range. So I'm really happy to see them make this shift to try and bring things in line a little bit more. And they did it in the right way as well, right? They brought yeah. US down rather than bringing the rest of the world up.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I love Pelican's limited editions. They've been knocking it out of the park all up and down the lineup. But my shopping and buying process with Pelican goes like this. Wow, that pen is beautiful. I would like to own it. I will wait until I see it at a pin show at a cheaper price. Yep. Because I can can always get it cheaper than ordering it online. Now, with something like the Ocean Swirl that's coming out, which really has my interest peaked, I might just order it online because I know now, well, that price is going to be good, right? I'm not going to, you know, lose, you know, whatever, hundreds of dollars just, you know, from being impatient, you know, where before my buying decision is like, I want that pen. I'll wait and buy it secondhand. Now i I might be more inclined to just jump right at the chance to to purchase it. So we'll see how this plays out. I hope uh, I hope this is all coming to fruition, and uh, I hope we see it affect the market in a very positive manner. I, and I don't see any reason why I wouldn't. I mean, from a consumer perspective, it's it's all win. So yep. All right, we have a couple of STPAs. These first two live from the Field Notes HQ. I said, give me the questions or email them to me. You know, uh, they'd be good as TPA. So I I did. And the first one's from Michael, the the designer of the upcoming Panatic Retro 51. So this is an, this is one I'm posing to the listeners out there. I think I have an answer, but it's such a unique question. And this is the perfect place to ask it. So he says, this year, the ice rink where I coach my son's hockey team, Put rink layouts on the glass above the boards next to each team bench. While every other coach I know just uses whatever dry erase marker they found at work or at the store, I'm different. I listen to the pen addict. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So what dry erase markers do you recommend for use on glass in colder environments that are bold enough for kids to see from a few feet away? In case it matters for your recommendation, I will wipe the glass clean with my sleeve due to time and space constraints. I'm not going to carry an eraser with me while I'm running practice. I love this question, right? This is like the nerd out stationary question. And these are actually really hard to answer because how do you get experience with this, right? Unless you're doing it yourself. But I know the products that they use... I call them bistro markers. And you'll see that in the name of some of the products that I recommend. That's what you see all the fancy handwriting at restaurants and cafes and coffee shops and things like that. All the bright colors. A lot of those are what they call chalk markers. And that's kind of a weird term. But basically, it's a bright colored marker that is erasable. But it's not like a dry erase ink. I would think the dry erase inks standard whiteboard pens would be very faint and hard to read and would actually have some temperature issues um, and like humidity type moisture in the air issues writing on glass in a hockey rink but these chalk markers I don't think will they're made to write on glass and metallic chalkboards um, other things um, like that They're bright colors and they're solid lines where like with a dry erase marker on glass, it's going to be trans. You're going to have some transparency. I think these solid lines would be better for that. The only issue is wiping it off with your sleeve. You're just going to have to carry a rag because I think they will, they'll probably wash right out of your sleeve, but that's not really what you want where the dry erase marker stuff just kind of vanishes. These won't, it's going to leave a color, but it does wash off cleanly. You might even need to a wet rag, you know, mm. that you can just keep handy. Um, that's kind of only the only caveat. But I think there's going to be markers that work good. And I put a couple in the show notes: the uh, ray may board markers and the Marvy Bistro chalk markers. Both work on glass, and they look like they're going to be easy to get off. I just wouldn't use your your coat sleeve. But if any listeners have any recommendations from actually doing something like this, I'd love to hear them, and I'll pass them on to Michael.
0: What a fun, what a fun thing to look for, right? Like, this is yeah. amazing.
1: This is cool. I
0: don't have any ideas on specific brands, but like just the kind of relatively generic, I guess, dry erase markers It will come off really easily, which is good. And it's not going to like stain you up to high heaven. So that's kind of what I yeah. would look for. Dry yeah. erase, for sure.
1: Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what, uh, what the listeners come up with and. If this is something that'll work well for Michael, also I had several members of a brand new Chicago pen club called the Windy City Inkwell. They sent me the. They told me about their new club. They're making a kind of um, city slash downtown based Chicago pen club. There's another pen club out there that's mostly out in the suburbs. So I told them to send me the link to their page. If you're a Chicago resident and want to uh, reach out to them and join their club, there are a bunch of great guys and girls that I met at the uh, Field Notes event. We will have the link in the show notes to their Facebook page, Windy City Inkwell, and they're trying to meet once a month and actually... I knew one of the members in there is uh, Nathaniel Cerf, who helps run the Chicago Penn Show. So I actually knew one of the members before I knew their club existed. So I told them I'd give them a shout out. So all you Chicago peeps, hit up our show notes. You can find out how to join the Windy City Inkwell. This next one you might have seen, Mike. Um, And if you didn't, you will enjoy seeing it. But I got an email from a gentleman named James. Mm-hmm. And his intro was this. He says, "Hey there, Brad, and Mike. I recently started a personal writing project where I wanted to write about the things that I'm thankful for. That said, this show is one of the things on the top of that list. I'll link the medium post here, but below I'll paste the message directed to YouTube. So and it's a long message, but there's a medium post. We'll link to the show notes. The medium post is actually Mike. Thank you, Relay FM, mm-hmm. and." James goes through this whole gratitude project on this page where he talks about podcasts. He gives you and Casey a wonderful story from Analog. Yep. He has a full email about coming into the pen addict for us. And I asked him, could I share this? Um, Because sometimes, you know, you don't know when it's good, like personal type stuff like this. Right. You know, I want to be sure. And he said, absolutely, please do. And the reason I wanted to share it is just from the project base as a whole. I love it. Like, a thank you project is fantastic. Like, we do this thing at our house where every night at dinner, um, you know, we can't always sit down to dinner together every night. But on the nights that we do, which is, obviously, it's most nights of the week, we go around the table and each of us says, the one thing that made us happy today. Or one thing that made us happy today. So we just call it our happies. What's your happy today? And this is kind of on that in a bigger, more public sense where he's doing this project where he's going out and saying thank you to someone that or something that meant something to him in his life. And there's a lot of ways you can do this. He's chosen medium. A lot of you might do it in your journal. Like, I think it's really cool. And I wanted to share that. And I wanted to thank James for Doing this and reaching out yeah. for all the kind words you said. Say, I, th- I think
0: James goes by Jax online. Jax, yes. Yeah. Sorry, yes. Just, just to, to change that, but yeah, um, I, we were sent this for analog. I don't think, I don't think I was included on the the panatic one, but um, Jax sent this direct to me and Casey, and Casey replied to it, and, and it warmed my heart, and 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 I love, obviously, like any human being would. I I love to see things like this, um, and it means a lot to me when people have nice things to say sometimes to the point where I don't know what to say
1: right you know what and- I
0: mean because like, sometimes just like thank you isn't enough and so this is a very very wonderful project to, to start and, and to be a part of that is is, is heartwarming so thank you
1: Yeah. And I appreciate that Jex allowed us to share this because it's personal. Like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he wrote a letter to us and published it online (laughs) and like not everyone's going to see that, but now we're like shining a light on it. So, and he allowed that. So I, I appreciate that. Um, I like in his his response to us he says my girlfriend affectionately teases me and calls me a pen nerd and it's a title that I'll happily accept. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think we can all appreciate that. that that's a badge of honor right there. <laughs> so thank you Jex this was super cool and um you know he might be doing more later but it's just something to think about you know I, I life's difficult <laughs> and having like this little light of positivity and something you can do for yourself to, you know, make you, you know, have like a like a good headspace, right? I think about these things a lot in my personal life is like, how can I remain, you know, in a very positive attitude and, you know, lift people up and, you know, keep a smile on my face. And it's not always easy, but doing little things like this, you know, whether it's digitally or analog, um, I think it's great. So very cool. Very cool. All right, this is an go- interesting question, Mike. It's very short and sweet from Lir Lenny. It says, why do some pens stop writing after a couple of refills? I've cleaned them between fills. Examples, Lamy Safari, Pilot Metropolitan, Nemo Sign, Singularity. So the, the answer is, I don't know.
0: <laughs> but you but, have observed this too as a thing that occurs? Because I have.
1: safari yes the metro no the Nemo sign i don't use um so what when i find after i've cleaned a pen and refilled it and it stops writing is that i haven't cleaned the nib and feed enough so you have to get in between the nib tines you know this is part of that maintenance that's required with a fountain pen you know some will say unfortunately some will say it's part of doing business some will say this is the thing I love about these pens yeah sometimes in between the nib and the feed not just flushing water through the feed and through the nib in those tines gets clogged up so go online order a brass sheet it's like a little shim you you, you, you fl- essentially floss the tines I've found more times than not that changes everything Hmm. about the flow on my pen after I've cleaned it. Um, Sometimes you like, if you're cleaning it and drying off with the paper towels, you might get fiber in there that you don't see. And it's just going to clog it a little bit. I don't have an absolute for a fact answer for this, but if you're cleaning the pen well, and then you floss the tines or take the, if the, both the Safari in the Metropolitan, you can get the nib off the feed very easily. Take them completely apart. It may sound like a hassle, but it's gonna be a better writing experience.
0: Yeah, if you're able to I mean I just did this over the weekend, if you're able to get the the feed out of the section, like if that's the thing, and like you're able to separate the feed and the nib, like that's gonna go a long way to helping you get a lot of that gunk out there, even if you don't have specific tools, right? Like if you're able to and also what that does I've found, it reduces the amount of frustration you have when you change ink right that like i have a pink ink now but it's still blue right like uh, yeah, if, uh, if you right. if you can separate as much of it as possible you get a better job of flushing a lot of the old color out as well so but yeah i have observed this happening like Brad i have no answer i hope Brad was going to be like oh it's because of this but no it turns out uh, there isn't there isn't an answer we have for you other than i'm sorry
1: yeah so one last thing on this and it's not an answer to this question but it was something i was thinking about right before we got on the show, I was saying I need to clean a bunch of my pens. I have mm. one pen that I I can't get the old ink color out. So I'm going to give this, I, I need to break out the big bottle of JB's pen flush again. So yeah, <laughs> remember when we talked about that? I have a slightly this purple
0: is- bottle of pen flush in my ink drawer.
1: Yep. Yep. So I put in some blue black ink that's coming out with some purple in it and that's not the color it should be. Mm-hmm. You know, it looks, it looks kind of cool, but since I know it's not supposed to be that it's bothering me. Well, because so, then you oh, don't want to get used to it, right? Because
0: it's, it's got, a, it's oh, got an no. impermanent shelf life on it.
1: Yep. You're wonderful yep, so. new in your ink color be breaking out the jbs here maybe this weekend all right last one i'm gonna let you answer this because you've most recently hired you've most recently hired someone and this is from our good friend doug who we both saw this weekend in chicago the wonderful doug doug Doug.
0: what would your reaction be to a handwritten resume i would there's there's other parts to this question but we'll start with this part first if i if honestly even me i would find it unprofessional if somebody mm. gave me a handwritten resume, I just feel like that that's not the way that you should do something like that. You know, like it would have to be superbly written, like just like calligraphy up and down. Right. To, to make it stand out like there has there would have to be a reason that people would give you a handwritten resume. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that reason would have to be because it's wonderful. I would be more inclined if somebody emailed me a scan of a handwritten resume. But, like, if, if I want resumes, I want them digitally because that's the workflow, right? Like, if I'm having if I've got a job posting and somebody mails me a handwritten resume instead of emailing me their pages or Word files, like, well, now I have to do something with this, right? Mm. There's no links I can click, there's no information I can copy and paste, right? Like, this becomes a whole big thing. So, I don't know. I don't think I would want that. What would, would you ex- I mean, I'm I'm expecting you to say, "Oh, of course it would be the best way." Um, but we'll see.
1: I mostly agree with you huh. because okay. there's there's the more I think about it, there's almost no way to do this right. One of two things is going to happen with a handwritten resume. It's either going to look too fancy or it's going to look too poor. Mm-hmm. There's very little sliver in the middle ground, right? If you were talking about, if someone sent me a resume and it was calligraphy-based and had a an wax seal on the envelope, I would not be impressed. I would be like, what is going on here? Yeah, it's like, like you, you don't know how much work you've just given me. Right, you, it's the wrong place and yeah. time for that. Secondly, if you broke out a notebook and a BIC, it's going to maybe not look very nice. So I don't know. I don't know where the winning proposition is. If you're going to send a handwritten resume because you're making someone do more work, they're going to, you don't know what position they're in to like appreciate that, right? You're sending it blindly. Like, okay, if I'm hiring a writer at the pen addict and you send me a handwritten letter, well, that's one thing, you know, the person on the receiving end would be open to receiving that, me in that case, right? I would like the calligraphy or I'd like the BIC on the notebook page. But if you're sending a general resume to most of the population, I think you're putting it in the hands of someone who could very likely treat that differently in a negative way than having an easier workflow, like you said. So yeah, like uh, Stacy says in the chat room, maybe... thank you note you know after the interview handwritten that's always a winner right but the resume itself I think that's going to be such a minuscule shot at landing at hitting a home run right that it's not going to be worth it to take that chance
0: yeah I I don't think so and then but then Doug goes on to say what part of the job search could be best suited to fountain pens maybe a thank you note yes Mm -hmm. that's where it works Send Absolutely. someone a thank you or, note, a nice, attractive thank you note. That that's great. That would work.
1: Yeah, and I don't. I wouldn't mind a cover letter that's handwritten. Like if you're doing the cover letter thing. Yeah, because I need someone, less information from that one, right? Yeah, so. unless someone. There are a lot of jobs that have very specific requirements for the cover letter. Maybe I wouldn't do that, but if it's a general cover letter, introductory type thing, but the resume itself, I, I think it would it would low chance of success I, th- I think you're putting yourself in a hole doing that to be perfectly honest mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right mike um i'm glad i didn't have to write a resume after last week's episode where you tried to fire me i'm not gonna let you down i'm not gonna let you out of that one so but i i'm glad to be back <laughs> this week as always it's felt like a month since we've last recorded and uh um, yep. You know, I'm always nervous getting right back in. Oh, you're a natural. That. What seems... No, 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 I know. But uh, like always at the beginning, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Okay, now we're good. Once we start. so All good. Good to be back on the regular schedule, which I think we will be for the rest of this year. It seems. I don't know. I think there you have thereabouts. next month. Yeah, we, we have Ish. some...
0: It's going to be normal for everybody else.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, if you want to find our show notes, you can go to relay.fm slash penaddict slash 280. Remember, 280, the popular darts phrase. Uh, You can send (laughs) in your tweets to the hashtag AskTPA. Don't forget the stationary.wiki, which is the great wiki project where you can go in and and update information for this whole great community that we're a part of. You can find Brad over at thepanadic.com and knock.co. How's the seed stuff going, Brad?
1: Oh, it's going real good. The A6s, both colors, are ready to roll. We're probably delayed on A5 until we can get the... New colors of Brastown and St is out for the holidays, so that's our focus right now. Okey-dokey. All the A6 stuff is ready for you to buy, though. You bet.
0: When is the? Uh, when am I going to get the travel? Is that part of the A5 delay?
1: Yeah, that's part of the A5 delay. Right. So we're probably. I doubt it will be before the holidays. Womp womp womp. It is. Trust. Hey, trust me.
0: Yeah, no one feels the womp womp as much as you do. Uh, uh, yeah. you can also find Brad on Penaddict, he is no Instagram, he's Pen Addict on Instagram. He's not Instagram on Pen Addict, he's Pen Addict on mm. Instagram, and he's Dowdyism on Twitter. I'm I Mike. I am Y K E. Thanks so much to Pen Chalet for their kind sponsorship and support for this episode. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Brad.
1: Goodbye, Brad.